0: Welcome to PodCash, the portable professional development podcast from Cash Alumni. Cash Alumni is the fastest growing association of professionals in care, health and education, and we're happy to have you here. This is where you'll hear from specialists and experts from across our network. Here's what's coming up.
1: Each child is very individual and they all have their own different interests and I think that's what I love about the sessions as well is to try and make them have something for lots of different children and parents and carers too.
0: Let's jump in to this week's episode.
1: So my name's Amy, and I am an assistant learning officer at the Discovery Museum in Newcastle um, City Centre. So my job is lovely and varied, and I basically work with school groups, nursery groups, families to think about ways in which they can engage with our museum in fun and creative ways. So. I work with school groups um, during term time and nurseries. I also run our earlier sessions in the museum as well. And then during holidays, such as the summer holidays, which is always very fun because it's six weeks off the best um, events in the museum, we do varied programmes for children of all ages and their families to join in with. For example, this week has been train week in the museum. So we had crafts on Tuesday. We had earlier story times on Wednesday. And yesterday we had um, 500 people in our great hall throughout the day building giant train tracks um, because everyone loves a train, which is brilliant. It sounds like you get to do loads of different
2: types of learning with loads of different groups of people how do you prepare for being able to work with such a like a target audience?
1: I definitely have to be very organized I make lots of lists as you picked up on we do have sort of the formal learning side of things but also the informal I say formal as in you know set sessions that we might do with a a selective audience for example a school group but then we've got the informal side of the learning program which is the more sort of family fun activities during the holidays. Um, so it's thinking about well, there's lots of different things to think about, but you know, w- which sort of setup works for different groups, which parts of the museum to run the events in, what's going to excite the different groups as well. Um, with the formal groups, there's also obviously the consideration of the curriculum and what they're learning in school and how we can bring that to life in the museum. And then with the informal groups or so family audiences, it's thinking about creating a nice atmosphere in the museum and a nice event that they can come and enjoy all together and create a lovely memory in the museum and you know a really active learning experience which hopefully they enjoy and then they want to come back again and again.
2: So is that the two different aims for the sessions in that in those more formal learning groups, it's more centred around learning aims?
1: I'd say that they're definitely considerations, but my overall priority for any visitor that I talk to and engage with is that they're going to enjoy being in the museum and that it's going to help them to bring that sort of learning to life. And that can be active learning, you know, like a school group comes into the museum and they're wanting to learn about a particular topic. But it also can be, you know, a family group or an individual who has just popped into the museum for an hour and then coming to have a look around. But it's just, for me, about creating that wow moment and connecting with A visitor. Obviously, everyone's very individual with different interests and things, which is why I think Discovery Museum is brilliant. There's something for everyone. So maybe I should talk a little bit more about Discovery Museum actually and what we have in the museum. As I said, Discovery Museum is located in Newcastle City Centre, very close to the train station, and we're inside a very large and iconic old um, cooperative building known as Blandford House. But we are. A free entry science and industry museum, we explore and have a lot of collections that link to STEM topics, science, technology, engineering, maths, and also local history about the area and sharing stories from our region. For example, about the shipyards. Um, I can't not mention Tavinia who is our largest uh, object in our collection. Um, She is, for anyone who doesn't know, well, she was once the fastest boat in the whole wide world. And she was made here in Newcastle. She was invented by Charles Parsons. Her steam turbine engines at the time allowed her to be the fastest boat of her time. And Queen Victoria was very impressed. Charles Parsons went on to create more steam turbine powered engines and we're very lucky to have her in the museum she's one of my favorite um things to talk about because children are fascinated with the titanic um (laughs) so they walk past her and i get asked a lot especially by little visitors is that the titanic and then we talk about how unfortunately the titanic you know hit an iceberg and we can't have the titanic in the museum but actually Tabinia is even more special because she was once the fastest boat in the whole world and she was made in our local area and the children then go wow and ask questions and they want to go and have a look inside at her engines and um, count her turbines and that sort of thing. It's
2: yes, definitely the thing that I think of when I think of the Discovery Museum it's that it's the first thing you see when you come in which is amazing like it's 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 such an iconic piece to have in a museum. I suppose what's quite cool is that talking to you it's really obvious and really evident that you learn things in museums like that's why you go to museums to learn things i'd never really considered museums like a place of learning they're like full of cool things to go and see and marvel at but i suppose i'd never really considered that you learn things intrinsically as you go around that journey how
1: do you bring all of that stuff to life So I guess one of the challenges is that some of the collections for their safety and so we can preserve them for the people to enjoy can be behind glass and you can't touch them. Um, So something I like to do is bring out our handling collections. I like to do games and crafts and things that help children to focus a little bit more on different topics or different parts of an object. You know, one of my favourite sessions that I've developed is um, for early years children, and it's been all around a story, and it doesn't have to be a well-known story. And then we link the story with an object in our collection, and then we do games and crafts and songs as well. We always sing a song in the museum, encourage the families to then go and see the object that has inspired that whole session. And I think linking it with the familiar, you know, aspects of a child's life. So stories and, and talking with your grown up and playing games. And um, it can be really simple things as well, it, you know. The other thing I like to do is give parents and carers ideas of things, that activities that are simple that they could then do at home with their little one too. I should also mention we're a free entry museum. We are very family friendly. We have a fun and full event programme and we try to make the events um, free and low cost for our families. So I think that helps as well with things that we do in the session being low cost that then hopefully um, they can inspire parents and carers to do more of those things at home as well with their little one. So it's kind of bridging lots of things together, lots of familiar things, and then linking them into the museum as well. I think the museum's fun. I learn something new every day in the museum, and that's one of the, the, the things that I love about my job as well. There's lots of things I love about my job, don't get me wrong, but yeah, every day is new, and you can look at the same object for the 10th time, the, you know, 20th time, and
0: You know, there can just be
1: a light bulb moment where you think about something new. And I think that's really special.
2: I think, obviously, I am also a grown-up, sort of. My experience... Of museums is obviously very different to some of the children that come to visit but at the beginning you also mentioned
1: earlier sessions. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I am in charge of the earlier sessions in the museum. The earlier is like children aged under five. In the museum weekly during term time I run a session called Tiny Sparks which is designed for children aged three to five, and their parents and carers. The sessions are an hour long and we explore lots of different themes um, each session that links to our museum collections. So themes have included, for example, um, building and construction. That's a popular one linked to the Three Little Pigs. Bridges and architecture, Three Billy Goats, Gruff link there as well. And then other um, themes that link with our collections are perhaps themes that you might not necessarily think, oh, a child age 3 to 5 are they going to enjoy that i love these bizarre themes because they allow me to be more creative and actually i think lots of the parents and carers who join in they've said to me before oh, i love how creative the session is and how you like bring a topic to life and i sometimes wonder how is that going to work with with a toddler but it's like done really well so those sort of more different unusual themes have been like magnets and um, forces water um, I even did a session on electricity, shapes, colour and reflection as well There's some other themes that we've done. In each session, there's songs, there's games, there's a story and there's simple play activities. And the hour goes by very quickly. <laughs> I can imagine the hour goes by
2: very quickly. How do you fit an entire piece of learning about something as complicated as magnets or electricity into an hour for toddlers?
1: Each session, even though there's a different theme, um, each session I tend to deliver in the same sort of way so that then when we get families who come back with their little ones, two tiny sparks, if they've been to one session, even though it's a new session with a different topic, different activities, the hope is that they kind of know what to expect because of the familiar sort of format. So by that, I mean that I'm always there to welcome them. There is drop in sort of help yourself activities at floor level um, and low level tables tough trays on legs that they can go straight into with their grown-up and start playing with so for example in the magnet session one of the simple activities they could go and help themselves to was magnetic fishing after a few minutes we wait for lots of people to make their way through the museum um, because toddlers have small legs and also toilets are needed and that sort of thing so I, I sort of Say so the first five, ten minutes is settling in time. And then we all come together and we sit sort of as a group. And I've got pictures on the screen and I say hello to everyone. And we talk about the topic and then we sing a song as well. At least one, sometimes lots. And sometimes we play a game. So I've played bingo with toddlers before. Everyone wins, everyone gets stickers. Um, and toddlers really love stickers. So that goes down well. And then after that, the, then we go on to the other activities, which are more crafty and sort of messy play as well sometimes. The way the room's organised, they're on higher tables. So the low tables are for the settling in time and then the higher tables, you know, I sort of say when we're ready and you can go to those if you'd like to. And then, you know, we have about 15, 20 minutes to then... Do those activities, and then we all come back together, and then finish with a story. Um, which I think, after all the excitement and you know crafting, and you've made made your your thing for the for the week, then we all come back together, and then we read the story. Sometimes the crafts link to the story. So, for example, when I was doing a session on fabulous food, the story was the very hungry caterpillar. Um, so the children had made a caterpillar and a butterfly so in the story they could like join in as well um, with their crafts and then you know other times they've made a little pig of a wolf mask and then we've done a dramatic retelling of the three little pigs as a group and then after that it's nearly time to say goodbye but to help me plan for the next session there may or there may not be some toddlers that have been before, as the sessions go on throughout the year, I tend to um, have some familiar faces who keep coming back to the sessions. Um, But occasionally there'll be new children who join in. And so to help me think about these children that are in my current sort of tiny sparks group who are coming along, I like to ask the children to tell their grown-up what's been their favourite part of the session. And then um, they get a little coin, because it can be really hard to ask toddlers in their own words about what they've enjoyed Um, and grown-ups can tell you and I of course listen to the grown-ups and ask them as well but they get the toddlers get a little coin and I've got a coin sort of token counter and um, they then get to put their coin into the box for story time was my favourite or crafts was my favourite or just being in the museum and seeing exciting things was their favourite thing or if it was making friends with the other children And then they drop their coins in and then I sit there and count them all up. And then I think about what to do in the next session that hopefully will continue to excite and and give the toddlers an enjoyable time. The kids that keep coming back, like, is there a is there a theme
2: about the sorts of things that they enjoy the most or are they all there for? Different reasons.
1: Each week, if I get toddlers that are coming back regularly, they may vote differently on the counter each week. Sometimes it's always the crafts, always the crafts, but then I have other children that they sometimes say, I like this and I like that, or you know, it changes each week what's been their favourite thing. So, yeah, that's definitely interesting to see. And I like, uh, you know, that makes me happy that they're enjoying something different each week as well. But it also makes me equally happy if they keep on enjoying the stories or the crafts as well. Each child is very individual and they all have their own different interests and I think that's what I love about the sessions as well is to try and make them have something for lots of different children and parents and carers too. So I know you asked about if there's different reasons for why people are in the session. Sometimes I have families where you know mums on mat leave and I've got tiny baby and toddler and they're coming together as a family unit as something to do outside the house. I sometimes have toddlers who come with their grandparents. The grandparents love joining in and they like the stories and the songs and it's something for them to do with their little grandchild as well and then I have other families who come along and they It might just be that they saw the session online or a friend told them about it and they've popped along. We're in summer now, but the last academic year, we um, had some funding from the Royal Chemistry Society. The funding was to help us to try and engage families who maybe wouldn't ordinarily be able to come and engage with these sessions. So the museum's free entry, but we do have a low cost for our um, learning, some of our learning events and activities. And there is um, a charge with our Tiny Spark sessions. So it's £3.50 per session. We're very aware, cost of living crisis, lots of different families in our communities and, you know, where the museum is um, on the end of the West End of Newcastle, that not everyone may be able to afford £3.50 and so we looked for funding and the Royal Chemistry Society were amazing. They gave us some funding so that we could help to do more chemistry-based sessions with tiny Sparks families. So some of those themes that I shared earlier, they are all themes that before the last year we had never done with toddlers before because we didn't have the resources or the equipment to be able to do such exciting things. But the other part of that funding has allowed us to work with community partners, so people who work with families, who may have connections to families in different circumstances, and they've been able to give free spaces to the Tiny Spark sessions to those families And then we've had new families come along and join in with the sessions. So, for example, it could be um, people who are working in earlier, like family hubs, family centres with young children. We've also worked with a food bank as well. So they were able to give out some free spaces to our sessions too. And it's been lovely to make the sessions more accessible. It also allowed us with the funding to do more than one session. So I think I said that the sessions take place weekly, that one hour long on Wednesdays during term time. But before the funding, we did one session on a Wednesday morning. But throughout the last academic year, we've been able to do a repeat session in the afternoon. And that we've had so many comments from families saying that that's been brilliant because, you know, Different families, different situations, different sleeping patterns. I've had some families say, oh, the morning session is the one that we can do. We couldn't do the afternoon. And I've also had the opposite. We don't get up early, so the afternoon's brilliant. And naturally, we sometimes struggle to find sessions that we can attend because they do often tend to be in the morning. Um, So that funding has been brilliant for that as well. And so actually, even though the funding has come to an end, um, we're absolutely continuing to do chemistry based earlier sessions. I've thoroughly enjoyed them. The feedback from families has been really lovely as well. We're also going to continue doing the two sessions as well each week. And we're also going to continue trying to diversify our families who are coming along and still work with community partners as well to make the sessions more accessible.
0: This is PodCash brought to you by Cash Alumni. If you're enjoying this conversation, please use your podcast app to follow or subscribe so you never miss an episode.
2: I love the idea of accessible chemistry. How do you choose topics? How do you generally choose what what it is you're going to explore in that setting?
1: Chemistry is great. There's so many different parts of chemistry and I'm sure I definitely did. When I first started thinking about chemistry, I started thinking about fizzing reactions and colour changing and oobleck and the milk changing experiment and volcanic experiments where you do the vinegar and the bicarbonate soda and you get a volcanic eruption so that there is that part of chemistry which we have definitely done with the toddlers very messy the aprons were needed but there's also the other parts of chemistry as well so as simple as counting and categorizing and sorting so especially with toddlers, because, you know, these are children aged three to five that the sessions are for. It has very much been simplified chemistry, but it's still chemistry. And it's all things that they have enjoyed doing. And it's been helping to support with like school readiness and social development in the session, you know, working and sharing with other children as well, um, and gross and fine motor skills too. The play-doh with using tweezers to pick things up, pipettes. Oh, my favourite was scoopy scissors. So they're scissors that have like a scoop on them. So kind of like an ice cream soup, but um, child-size scissor ice cream scoopy things. And they've been great for the children being able to pick things up as well. So all those sort of aspects have been in the sessions in different weird and wonderful ways
2: that's really interesting and listening to you talk about that stuff reminds us of when I talked to earlier as practitioners and they can tell us all of the reasons that all of the the stuff they do with play and with all of the the other sort of messy play things and like grabbing stuff things helps to develop like the skills to hold a pen to be able to write later on and that whole like methodology behind the The madness of early years activity how did you get into doing what you do in a museum
1: so I went to Newcastle University I was always told I was the first one in my family who went to uni I was always told do what you enjoy so I did history and then I sort of got to the end of my degree and I always went into the Great North Museum which is the Newcastle University Museum and so I asked if I could start volunteering there to see what they were doing. Because when I went in, I always saw how many school children there were um, and young children and families just enjoying the museum. And I kind of like would watch what they what the children were up to and it would really make me smile. And I wanted to know more about what it could be like to work in the museum because I really enjoyed the history and the children as well. Being there and listening to the children, I just thought, oh, this this could be a really good thing to maybe do. So I started volunteering and then I got my first role within um Tiny Weir archives and museums. Um so Great North Museum and Discovery Museum, where the Tiny Spark sessions are and where I work now, they're both museums that are part of Tanwee Archives and museums. So I started working casually then across different sites. And then I also worked very closely with the early years lead at Great North Museum um, for a number of years and then led the programme there for a few years as well. And so all of that learning and the support I had from now colleagues as well, all really helped me to get to where I am now. So I am Makaton-trained, I'm arts award trained. I am always looking for other ways to be creative with working with young children as well. All those things. So really lucky with circumstance as well. And, you know, approaching colleagues, like I say colleagues, they weren't colleagues at the time, but approaching people who were really friendly and welcoming and able to answer lots of questions and invited me to come along and see what they did and not just tell me about what they did. All of that has really helped And I really love all of my job. And as I mentioned, I work with lots of different aged children and families and visitors. I do have a special sort of soft spot for early years families because I think the children that are aged under five, they do their most growing and developmental sort of um, learning in that time. And I think to support that in a museum, which is creative and fun and with lots of things to see, it's really special. And so I really do love working with the early years children. And so to do Tiny Sparks each week, it, it's one of my highlights in the museum. That sounds like a really
2: interesting journey. And like that developmental piece of like going from a history degree and sort of seeing the connections between that and that early years learning piece is really, this was quite insightful to be able to follow that through and, and, and find that career journey. What was that development like?
1: The movement between different venues was really exciting because both, if, If anyone's been to both Discovery Museum and Great North Museum, they're very different with their collections. So for me, that was really exciting when I moved to Discovery and then I started going more along the science and STEM sort of route and being able to bring history along. And I should say it was ancient history was my background. So Romans, Greeks and archaeology, to bring all of that into Discovery Museum and then think about the more recent history and our social history of the area and then the science and engineering side as well I had lots of ideas straight away because I'd already been working with early years audiences and I knew building and ships and boats and trains and bridges and the science and being able to do the messy experiments I knew all of that would be super exciting to to a young child so I think excitement really helped with that. And I
2: can imagine that that excitement about you learning things and being able to play with the things that you're learning and discover new stuff through not just playing with the stuff in the museum, but playing with the children or with the young people or the families who are coming along and learning how to see things through their eyes.
1: I like that you've used the word play because... Something that I use in all my sessions still is the earliest schemas for play. So every session will always have lots of different ways that the children can join in with different activities. There's always a consideration for the different schemas of play. So whether a child is really enjoying the rotation schema or if they're enjoying their transportation schema or lots of different ways in which that those schemas for player can be done in this session and transforming and hiding things as well and then unveiling them in an exciting way. That's great. It's really interesting listening to how much thought goes into all of that communication of
2: those different ideas and, and, and how like children are going to pick up on different things and I suppose for me listening to you talk when I do talk to a lot of early years practitioners who are in early years settings it's really interesting listening to how you take things from their practice that can help to really embed some of that learning. You mentioned STEM in the answer to an earlier question and sort of embedding that through some of the stuff that you do how big a focus is stem in the stuff that you do
1: all of the last academic year every single tiny spark session has been stem based so it is incredibly important in discovery museum it's sort of our bread and butter and i think sometimes stem can, if you're from a family who maybe haven't got a stem background, I certainly am one of those families who isn't from a stem background myself, especially with early years children and young children as well breaking that down so as I said with the chemistry that might sound really sort of advanced and oh how can you do chemistry with toddlers but actually it it's really simple and it's stuff that you'd be doing anywhere with with a young child so the mathematics that the beginning to count and the sorting and thinking about colours and different shapes and exploring, exploring a young child's world and, you know, their life at home, you know, with their grandparents, their journey to nursery. All the sort of learning and things that they would be thinking about anyway, just supporting that in the, and doing it in a, in a different environment to so doing it in the museum and maybe counting planets or counting the wheels on a carriage or something like that it's just taking the context and shifting it slightly and putting it in the museum and actually that tends to go down quite well because then there's an element of familiarity also oh this is new and we've not done this before as well that's great so you're yeah, doing all of that really exciting stuff with
2: families at the minute during the school holidays are you also planning what's coming up for the next academic year that'll be here.
1: I'm sure anyone who works in a museum will tell you that there's the time we're in now and the events we're doing right now this, you know, this week, but then our heads are normally three or four months down the line. So I'm actually currently thinking about October half term right now. So yes, the new Tiny Sparks sessions will be on our website shortly for families to join. It's always really exciting in September because, you know, some of the families who have joined me throughout the last academic year, they... Have gone on to big school or they're going on to nursery and you know they've got new routines so in September it's the chance to really shout about our early years programs in Discovery Museum but also across all, all of Tyna Archive and Museum's venues um, so we're all sort of rebuilding our family programs and wanting to tell lots of families about them and hopefully encourage them to join in. Um, so the Tiny Sparks weekly sessions will be on our website shortly. But also in September at Discovery Museum, I run a very large scale toddler event. So up to 200 toddlers can come and join in and take over Discovery Museum um, for full morning. And they get to, you know, have a have a good taster of, what the Tiny Sparks weekly sessions would be like I've got colleagues coming from the other venues to support that event so that then families can come and find out about Discovery Museum's offer and Great North Museum's offer and the Lane Art Gallery and the Shipley Art Gallery's offer as well that one is currently the wheels are in motion the tickets are live for that one and so that big takeover event which is always lots of fun is happening on Wednesday the 20th of September so yes definitely thinking about the plans ahead and being very excited for another year of Tiny spark sessions and toddler activities in in the museum.
0: I'm pleased you're
2: excited because 200 toddlers in a museum sounds terrifying to me. <laughs> You, you talked about seeing like kids go through those transitions and sort of like, like leaving nursery and going into primary school or start a nursery or, or, or sort of moving between the fifth. What's it like to be able to follow children through different parts of their life and seeing them like those snapshots in that weekly bit or when they come back?
1: Yeah, it, it's really special. And you get to know the child, but also their parent and carers and, you know, the grown up who's accompanying them to the museum and to the sessions and I think that's something that's really special about early years' work in museums. So normally, um, if you're working with a school group, you might see that child once a year, potentially. If they come back each year with a different teacher, different topic in mind, you might see that child once a year, potentially. Sometimes maybe once every few years. So you don't have that sort of sustained interaction with that child, Whereas with the earlier's work and doing the weekly sessions, if you do have families who start to become regulars and come along, then you do get to know them and you get to build up that relationship. And it is really special. And, you know, to watch the difference between session one, a child may be hiding behind their grown up's leg and thinking, who's this talking to me? You know, which is perfectly normal and natural. To so then week five, they come in striding in, you know, Parents following ten steps behind, carrying all the bags and everything, and the toddler straight in the room, saying hello and joining in with the activities and knowing what they can they can do and what to expect straight away. It is really lovely. And the other side of that is when families grow as well. So I've had a few of my families who have had new additions to the family, so they come along with baby brother or baby sister, and they're proudly showing showing me their their new sibling. Um, so it is really lovely and you get to know each child more and more and in their individual interests and I think that's what makes it really rewarding for me is seeing the impact on a little one so I think from having talked to you about my sort of background and how I got into working in museums you'll have picked up on that I, I don't have a science degree but that doesn't mean that I don't work effectively and creatively with science with early years children but Um, And this made me really happy. I had one of my regulars who comes with grandparents. The grandparent told me that their dad had been asking the little one, what what do you want to do when you're older? And they'd thought about it. And they said, I'd like to be an astronaut. And then dad had said, oh, well, you'll have to be really good at science at school and listen. And then the little one had thought about it and then said, like Amy at the museum. That's really cute. (laughs) It is, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it's one of my all-time favourite comments that I've been told about. So, and, and that was all because of a session we'd done around space in the museum and linking to our very old telescope that we've got on display. All of those reasons are why I think early years work in museums is really key and really very special. Yeah, that, that's
2: great. And I love the idea of introducing children to careers that they might never have considered because it's outside of their normal sort of sphere of influence that's that's a really great part of i suppose the stuff that you get to do we we'll know a bit about how families can find out about sessions um and and come along to stuff is there a different way that school groups or nursery groups would find things to be able to do in museums
1: yes and no so we have a very large website and there is a learning part of the website and so that's where we would say learning and nursery teachers and sort of group leaders would get in touch with us through that part of the um, of our website because on there we have all our workshop offer split into earlier science history but also by key stage as well. So there might be, um, if there was a, a teacher or nursery teacher who's interested in coming to the museum to support a key topic, then they could look and see if we have anything that, that links to their learning in, in their setting or they could get in touch with us and see if it would be possible to do something more bespoke. So we are very amenable to doing bespoke things. Um, You know, it challenges us creatively and it can be very exciting to put something together. But everything we do in the museum, it's very important that it links to our collections as well. Everything comes back to the museum and to bring, you know, that learning to life with what we have in the museum. There's definitely those considerations as well when we are asked for bespoke things. If we think we can do it and that we can bring it to life in a fun way and that we've got the objects to do that, then that is definitely something that we'd be happy to do. Whereas if it's families and you know carers and they're interested in what there might be for earlier's children or children during the holidays and things, again they can go to our website and we've got a very well populated um, what's on page with all the different activities and when they're on, the timings, the suggestions for who they're suitable for and who they've been designed. and they can book spaces if it's a bookable event they can book spaces via the website or if it's a drop-in activity then they're very welcome to come and drop in and join us in the museum love the idea of that like
2: bespoke stuff and the fact that you got so excited about the idea that people might suggest things that they want to learn about that you could I suppose have that opportunity to learn another new thing that you could then teach to other people um there's there's lots of exciting things that I could ask you about because you keep saying really interesting things that I could pick up on. But is there anything that you haven't had the chance to tell her about so far that you'd like or to know about?
1: Um, something that I would really love would be for maybe people who haven't been to Discovery Museum in a while, because it's something that we commonly get is oh, I've not been to the to the Discovery Museum in years, or, you know, we have a family come in and the, one of the grown-ups might say, oh, the last time I was here, it was when I was a child. So I would really love for maybe, if there are any families who are thinking about, and places to go with their little ones that maybe they might now think about Discovery Museum and they might pop along and see what we have here and hopefully have a really lovely visit. Thanks for
0: listening to Podcash. If you enjoyed it, please follow or subscribe on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. You can also watch many of these conversations by heading over to cashalumni.org.uk and going to the CPD and Best Practice section of the site. That's cashalumni.org.uk.